you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. All right, well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see those of you who are with us here in person. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. And whether this is your very first time with us, whether you've been with us for years, we're just so glad to be able to spend this time together as we have a time of worship, singing, to, uh, singing songs of worship to God, time in God's word, as we're about to open it up together and see what God has for us out of Ephesians 6 as we close out our series through the armor of God and through the through community and through people serving. It's just a great opportunity for us to be together and to see what God has for each and every one of us here today. And so welcome. We're glad that you are here. Now, before we jump into uh, the full topic today, we're going to be primarily in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, if you want to start turning over there. Um, What I want to signal is that um, when we are hitting the fall season, you know like how when you know you're in Christmas season when Costco starts putting Christmas trees up in July. That's how you know, just give or take. Um, But then you also know like when Halloween starts coming up or when that season comes, when it's fall time, you start to see um, promotions for things in orange that are a little earlier than they ought to be, uh, things that start popping up everywhere. And I know, well, I don't know, many of you may be thinking that like, I'm referring to like pumpkin spice latte promotions, but what I'm actually talking about are Halloween spirit stores. Uh, these things that pop up all over, they find empty places and they just set up shops for a month or month or two. And just yesterday we were driving by, we have one of these that's near our home. Uh, and I was driving with Shaylin and Elise and Elise was just like, dad, you know what I'm looking forward to after Halloween? I'm like, what? She said that the Halloween spirit stores will be gone because they're just they're all, like all these different things. And it's one of those where our girls are pretty sensitive to, to things that are spooky. And so it's like walking into one of those stores once is enough to just not like any of them ever. And um, I even remember going to a party city with Shaylin when she was younger. And there was like this like huge a- alien that was hovering over the door. Nope, no more party city for us. So it's one of those where we think about this time of year where this is the season where we start to, you know, you drive. And instead of seeing Christmas lights and nativity scenes and angels and snowmen, you see you know, goblins and ghouls and all these different things. We went uh, trick-or-treating in Harmony Grove two years ago, and it was legitimately like, this is not good for our kids. Like, it was just too much. And I, um, there's a, an Axis is a, a culture translator. So Axis is a company that is meant for parents of teenagers that will give information and resources for how to best connect with them. I got an email for them two days ago that I think sets up Um, Kind of the reason why we were talking about the armor of God during this Halloween season. And it says this, it says, as quote, spooky season envelops America, families are confronted with all manner of the creepy and macabre. Cartoonish depictions of vampires and witches can dilute our sensitivity to the realities of evil. That evil is real. And so when we see all these decorations, it might make us think, oh, they're not that bad, or oh, they're not that scary. Or they distract us by thinking that's what's scary, and we miss out on the real evil. 
that there is a reality of evil. Malevolent spiritual beings do walk among us, and there is a dark force that wishes the worst of misfortune upon our eternal souls, which is a really great way for us to, like, uplifting way to start off our sermon this morning. But this is the point, right? The point of, is the matter of the fact is that there are real battles. We've been talking about this throughout our series on Ephesians 6. And I wanted our final week talking about prayer to be right before Halloween because this is the season where we start to see things that look evil. We start to see things or they're surrounded by things that maybe we don't always see. But as we are in a spiritual battle, we recognize that there are things that we do not always see, but there are Flesh, and, or sorry, there are um, rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil. And that is what our battle is against. Even if you have someone that you're angry with or there's enmity between you and others, we got to remember that our struggle, our deepest struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the person as much as it is about and as much as it is against the spiritual forces of evil, the, the divisions that come between people or the enmity that is created, not because I don't like that person, but because of the evil that comes and because of the dynamics where the enemy loves to deceive. In fact, we looked at the schemes here over the past several weeks. We've looked at how the enemy loves to deceive, which is why we need the belt of truth. He loves to deny our righteousness and that we are made right through faith in Christ. He likes to create discord and divide people so that we need the belt, or excuse me, the feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, to be able to have peace with God and peace with one another. He wants to cause us to doubt, which is why we need the shield of faith. He wants to give us, cause us to feel discouragement, which is why we need the helmet of salvation to guard our thoughts and to take them captive whenever the enemy tries to attack. And then last week, the idea of distortion, but the idea of remembering the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And Pastor Evan did a great job unpacking that with us last week. So today, we're going to look at the last one. And again, this isn't all-inclusive of all the schemes the enemy has, but it's a good picture. It's a good starting point of where we're at. And the last one is distraction, which is why it's so vital for us to heed the call to prayer. Oswald Chambers says it this way. He says, the prayer of the feeblest saint who lives in the spirit and keeps right with God is a terror to Satan. The very powers of darkness are paralyzed by prayer. No wonder Satan tries to keep our minds fussy and active work till we cannot think in prayer. No wonder he wants us to be distracted rather than having our time consistently in prayer. And so what we're going to look at today is what kind of prayer we're going to talk about. Who are we praying for? Through whom are we praying? What types of prayers are we going to go through? And then we'll unpack all of those together as we close out this series. So will you join me in a word of prayer as we get ready to learn more about prayer together? Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who is part of our service today, whether live in person, live online, watching or listening later throughout the week. And Lord, I thank you for the fact that we have the ability to, to approach your throne of grace with confidence, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done and because he intercedes for us, because the Holy Spirit prays on our behalves even when we don't know what to say. So, Father, we thank you for this time we have together. And, Lord, I pray that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So we're in our sermon title called The Call to Prayer. Again, we're in Ephesians chapter 6, primarily verses 18 through 20. We'll read all of the armor of God, but we're going to land on that section mostly. Now, I'm going to, we've hit on this a little bit, but I'm going to show you a, a picture of me when I was younger. And I'm and it was a Halloween costume. I know it's going to be hard to see me. So uh, let's go ahead and show this. I know my camouflage is really good. And so it's like really hard to see. But I am in here somewhere. Uh, but there's this, I remember, you know, dressing up just with a, you know, camouflage shirt, camouflage hat. And the idea is, you know, being a soldier or being in the army or things like that. And yet this is a costume, right? We've talked about this a couple times throughout our series. The difference between a costume when you dress up like something you're not. Versus a uniform when you are wearing that which symbolizes who you are. And so as we get to this point at the end of the Armor of God series, it would be beneficial for us to look at the full picture of the Armor of God. And so there's another photo here that looks at the different pieces that we've talked about. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, belt of truth. I don't know why there's not one for the sword of the spirit, but the sword of the spirit as well as the sandals of peace. And unlike me dressing up like with a camouflage shirt in a costume, this is the type of armor. This is the, the armor of God that we need to put on as our uniform every day. I mean, what would it look like for us every single morning? I've, I've included a prayer for the armor of God in your bulletin or in the um, notes every week. And what would it look like that just as you're getting dressed or as you're getting ready for the day, you pray over yourself to be fitted with the armor of God each and every day? Because it's not a costume that we wear in Halloween. It's not a costume that is us dressing up like something we really are not. It's us putting on our uniform and our armor that shows who we really are. Now, Priscilla Shire, she gave a really interesting dynamic that I hadn't quite thought about, and maybe it'll be helpful for you as well. When she talks about the armor of God, here's what she says. When Apostle, uh, the Apostle Paul's delineation of the armor in Ephesians 6 is simply a reiteration. What does that mean? It's a summary of principles he has already discussed beforehand in his letter. Each piece has been introduced and thoroughly explained earlier, and this is why his comments about them at the end of the letter are so concise and succinct. So here's a book, a picture out of the Bible study that she has here, um, and you, you won't be able to read it, so I'll explain a little bit better, but it's the piece of the armor is listed here, the Ephesians 6 reference is listed here, and then where it's referenced in the book of Ephesians is listed here. So the sword of the spirit is the only one that is not specifically mentioned, which is also why it's more specifically described last week when we looked at how it says, which is the word of God. It explains it more because there's not a specific moment that Paul writes about it earlier. The helmet of salvation in verse 17 of Ephesians 6, we spent a lot of time in Ephesians 1 looking at the salvation. The shield of faith in Ephesians 6, we spent time looking at that in Ephesians 2. The shoes of peace, we looked at that with Ephesians. We actually use a different section, but a little bit later in Ephesians 4. Breastplate of righteousness, we looked at that in Ephesians 4 as well. The belt of truth, we looked at that as Ephesians 5. And then prayer, we're spending some time on it today. And then we're going to actually read through, or I'm going to pray over us, Ephesians 3 later on. So this has created a structure in which without us maybe explicitly saying from the, from the onset, we've gone through a lot of them, not all, but a lot of the major topics and major passages in the book of Ephesians. The main one that we didn't do is Ephesians 5 at the end through the first part of 6 when it talks about families and the household. And so we hit a sermon on that a couple years ago called Some Assembly Required. So between these two series is, is, is I just added the extra ones for fun, series is, 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 
we've been able to go through the whole book of Ephesians over the past year and a half, two years or so. So here's what I want to do. I want us to, I'm going to read Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 20, so that we can, again, kind of acclimate ourselves to what we've heard, where we've been. And so the, screen, the verses will not be on the screen for this passage. Um, we'll have some verses later on. But if you want to follow along in your Bible, whether it's a paper Bible, your phone, whether it's the, a Bible in the seats in front of you, or if you just want to listen, that's okay too. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Last week, Pastor Evan gave us some great resources on how to study the Bible that are free online resources for you. Uh, resources for you. Um, and looking at one of them was Bible Gateway. So I thought, I'm going to look at Bible Gateway, and I'm going to look at comparing the multiple versions. Because he showed us how if you look on your phone and you look at Bible Gateway, there's one where it'll say, read this passage in all English translations. So what I wanted to do is compare them really quickly here. So what I just read is the NIV here. And then this is the ESV, which is one that I often like to use as well. Now, just looking at it, you don't even need to read the passage, but if we go to the next slide, you might notice something different already, just about how it's structured, how it's formatted. That when you go here, you'll notice that in Ephesians 6, and if you are, have the NIV with you or you're looking at that version, you'll notice that verse 17 stops. Then there's a paragraph break. And verse 18 starts with and. In other words, it's, it's trying to connect it, but it does make it a separate section in the actual passage. It makes it separate as if it's a different part of the scripture and it's a different topic or, or not as closely related. Yet we notice here, if you go to the next one, you just circle how Ephesians 6, 17, and 18, they just, it's part of the same sentence in the in ESV. Now, I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but it gives us the insight that there's a much stronger connection between what Paul says in verse 17 and what he says in 18, then maybe we would even look at, even if we just looked at the format of the paragraph breaks in some of our Bibles. So let's look at Ephesians 6, 17 through 18 again, and I'm going to use the NIV translation, but I'm going to combine them more similarly to how we see in the ESV. So let's go to the next slide. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So you see the emphasis on prayer. You also will see 
at least three times the idea of the word all. It's, it's encompassing so much. And so some of us, we might have a prayer life where it's a little specific to, to our family or to what's going on in our world, which of course we need to bring to the Lord. But it's try, Paul's trying to give us this bigger, expansive view of the role of prayer. The role of prayer to pray about all things at all times for all the Lord's people and always keep going and don't give up. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Paul's call to prayer in verse 18. We're going to unpack it a little bit, uh, a little verse, or excuse me, um, uh, a phrase at a time, and see what it is that we can learn. So what is the call to prayer for all of us? And with that said, let's, we're going to answer a couple of questions. So the first thing we're going to look at in the next slide, the call to prayer, is the question is through whom? Like, it, who are we praying through? Who, who's the one that gives us the power to pray? And as we see, it's praying in the spirit on all occasions. I don't know if you ever had a moment like this where maybe you, you know someone's really struggling or you just, you want to pray for somebody. And sometimes it can feel like we're trying to pray to God, like on our, like try to build up our own, um, our own strength in order to pray. And so it's things like, you know, Lord, I pray that you would heal someone. Like, I really pray. Like, I really, really pray to heal for some, you know, you would heal someone. Is that wrong? No, that's not wrong. But is it praying in the spirit? Is it, is it something where we are connecting ourselves with the energy of God? And the, the, the James 5 talks about how the prayer of a righteous person availeth much. It's powerful and it's effective. And so the idea we're looking at is, do we just pray out of our own strength? Or do we align ourselves with what the Spirit of God puts on our hearts? When we pray for a meal, have you ever had this time? Maybe you're praying for a meal or you're praying at bedtime. Or maybe you just have prayers that you often will say and you'll repeat. And sometimes it's almost like you don't even need to keep your mind focused on the prayer because you could just go into rote memorization mode. And so sometimes for me, and I'm not saying this is good, I'm acknowledging and admitting that sometimes I'll pray the Lord's Prayer and I'll get like halfway through and I realize I'm thinking about like work that needs to be done. Because it's something I've done so many times and prayed so many times that it almost feels just like rote memorization. And so then it's like, okay, no, no, I need to bring myself back to actually be praying to the Lord and to be present with him in this time of prayer. So the contrast is, if we, if we want to pray in the Spirit, one thing that would be helpful for us is to see where did God, or excuse me, where did Paul just reference God the Spirit in this passage? Then in verse 18, it says, pray in the Spirit. Verse 17, he just had mentioned about the idea that the uh, sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Some of the times when I've prayed for people, when others have prayed for me, it's What's, what's so impactful is not when someone's like, oh, I really, really pray for this, as if it's out of our own strength. When it's really impactful is when people pray scripture over me or when I get to pray scripture over them. The reminder that it's not about my words being eloquent or, or effective. It's the idea of saying, God, you've already said that you are a God of comfort. Would you be the God of comfort with someone? Would you hem them in before and behind? Would you help them remember that if they trust in you with all their own hearts and lean on in their own understanding and in all their ways acknowledge you, God, that you would make their path straight even though things seem so crooked right now. God, would you remember that when we are terrified that we need not be, we could be strong and courageous and not be terrified or discouraged, but recognize that you, our Lord, our God, are with us wherever we go. 
There are different things, and those are just a few examples, right? But when we pray what God has already said in his word, and then we pray those and apply those and pray them for ourselves and for others, then we know that we are praying not within our own flesh or our own desires or what we want. We are praying God's word over a situation. And God's word that is living and active, it's, it's living. This is not a dead text that has no impact on our lives. It is living. It is active. We see in Paul when he writes to First Timothy, or when he writes to Timothy, that all scripture is God-breathed. That every word that is in the Bible is there for a reason. And so we could pray, and if this is the sword of the Spirit, and we ought to pray in the Spirit, then we need to know God's word well enough to be able to pray it over ourselves and to pray it over those we love. And we need to know it well enough, like we heard last week, to know when the enemy is trying to use verses out of context or things in order to attack. So we need to be able to know God's word so well that it is our offensive weapon when it comes to the sword, but it's also the voice through which we offer up our prayers. Warren Wearsby says it this way. He says, the word of God enlightens us while prayer enables us. God's word reveals the will of God. Prayer enables us to do that will. We cannot expect to have our prayers answered unless we pray in God's will. And we know God's will because he has revealed it to us in his word. So prayer and the word are so much more intertwined than even a paragraph break may, like, may make it look like at first glance. So we need to be able to wield God's word and we need to pray and we need to be able to do both and and so when we pray through the Spirit, we're not praying through ourselves and our own strength. We're praying through the Spirit. Number, number two, another question that we might ask is, what do we pray? Like, what, what kinds of prayers are we able to lift up? And so the next one here, just taking the next little section here, is what kind of prayers? With all kinds of prayers and requests. And I find it interesting because all kinds of prayers is very all-encompassing, right? It's, it's all these different types, but request is mentioned specifically too. So we're not to hide or, or um, uh, we're not to pretend like we don't have requests. We're able to go and present them to the Lord. In fact, he wants us to cast our, our anxieties upon him because he cares for us. He wants us to draw near to him and he will draw near to us. Some of you, um, when we've done a prayer series before or sermons about prayer, we've used this method. This is not the only way you need to pray or have to pray, but this is a helpful way for us to remember different types of forms of prayer. Then when it says all kinds of prayers and requests, the Acts method, which is not original from me, I found it elsewhere, but A stands for adoration, starting time off of prayer, praising God for who he is. Before we even ask him, to do stuff for us with his hands. It's praising him for his face and who he is and for his heart for us. It's looking around and being so grateful for the ability to have a new day, to remember this is a day the Lord's made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's saying, God, thank you that you've given me this day and may I honor you with it. You are good and your works are wonderful. I know that full well and you've created me. So somehow, Lord, you see me as wonderful. I praise you. I adore you. C stands for confession. And again, before we ask anything from God, we confess the sins that we have. Both the kind of sins, that sins of commission, things that we've committed that are wrong. 
and sins of omission, sins that we've omitted that we should have done, but we didn't do. As James 4, 7 says, if you know sin, or if you know the right thing to do and you do not do it, that is sin for you. So what we do and what we don't do, we confess those things to the Lord. Then T stands for thanksgiving. We thank him for his forgiveness. We thank him for the cross. We thank him for who he is. We thank him that because he is someone who is so faithful, that when we, are, we confess our sins, he is righteous and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which allows us to pray with thanksgiving. And then lastly is the idea of S, which is supplication. This is when we get to the point of requests. Some of us will, would rush in and just go straight to requests without acknowledging who God is, without confessing how far we've fallen, without giving thanks to what God's done and who he is. And we say, God, can you give me this, this, and this? And you've ever had a relationship with someone who, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's coworkers, whether it's a boss, whatever, and all, like, all they talk to you about is just what they want from you right now? That's hard, right? And so the idea is, Yes, bring all your requests. We're called to offer up all our requests to God. Paul encourages us to do that in Ephesians 6, 18. But it's all our requests and all kinds of prayers. So maybe for someone today, this could be a helpful method to start incorporating of how to pray all kinds of prayers and requests to God. Number three, we've looked at through whom, we've looked at what. This next one is, is how. How do we pray? And I don't mean like, do you have to, to kneel? Do you have to sit? Do you have to pray with specific words only? Because there's different ways to pray. There are individual prayer times. There's group prayer times. There are prayers that are um, repeated that we know that we we've, have written out and we repeat exactly. There are others that are spontaneous in the moment. God, help me. But there are the types of prayers that we praise God for. And there's types of prayers where we cry out because we need requests. So how do we pray? But it's not just that. It's with the posture of how we pray. It says, with all kinds of requests, be alert. Be alert. The girls, uh, when I take the girls to school on Wednesdays and Fridays, um, I'm trying to encourage them, and it's not, you know, it, we're working on it, right? But I'm trying to remind them and encourage them that they can be one another's prayer partners for life that they will be able to lift one another up in prayer. And so on the drive, what we do is, especially on Wednesday specifically, Shaylin will pray for Elise's requests and Elise will pray for Shaylin's requests. And then I'll close it up and I'll pray for Steph and I'll pray for my own day as well. And so it's sweet because they're, they're praying for one another and on Fridays, they just want me to pray for everyone. That's, that's great too. But it's sweet to hear them pray. But you know what I do when, I, when it's my turn to pray and I'm driving, to school, driving them to school? I keep my eyes open, right? Like I'm not closing my eyes in prayer and saying, Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would help the girls to have a good day at school. And like, that's not how we do it. You keep your eyes open. Why? Because we need to be awake. We need to be, keep on watch and we need to be alert. Praying doesn't automatically mean eyes closed. Now, that, that um, posture of prayer is important because it helps us to maybe eliminate distraction. It helps us to, to respond in reverence. But if you look in the Bible, there are many, many, many times where it'll say, even in John 17, Jesus' last prayer, it's he turned his face towards heaven. He didn't turn his face towards heaven and close his eyes. He was, kept his eyes open. He was alert. And all of us are called to be alert when it comes to our time of prayer. There's a couple of verses that reiterate this 
in the New Testament, Jesus, he says this, be always on the watch. That's the same Greek word as be alert. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. First Peter, Paul used, or excuse me, Peter uses a different word, but the same sentiment when he says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So when we talk about be alert, it's have your eyes open. And yes, literally, if you're driving, pray with your eyes open. But spiritually, to have your eyes open to seeing what's going on around. When you start to see that there's division and enmity within your, you know, your, your coworkers, and you think there's something bigger going on than just someone being upset with someone, because it seems really weird. This past week, we had three nights in a row where one night that um, Shaylin didn't sleep well, one that Elise had a hard time going to bed, and then the third night was me having a really bad headache and being up for many hours as well. So it's like there's just something else going on. So be alert. Keep watch. In this case, it was keep awake, but when it's nighttime, I just want to sleep. But the idea is to be alert, keep watch. Tish, Tish Harrison Warren talks about it this way. She says, Christian discipleship is a lifetime of training and how to pay attention to the right things. To pay attention to the right things. To notice God's work in our lives and in the world. What is God doing around us? What's he doing in and through me? What's he doing in and through those around us? And how has he called me to be a part of what he's doing in and around me in such a time as this? Through long practice, we unfix our gaze from distractions. Remember we were talking about that earlier. And fears, in order to attend to that which God attends, we learn to watch. So if we are always praying, and again, I'm not trying to besmirch eyes closed, but metaphorically speaking, if we're only praying for just the things that impact us, and our all-encompassing prayer life is simply, God, please help me to sleep better tonight, or God, please help me to whatever, we're missing out on what God is doing. So if our prayers are primarily self-focused, or if, our, uh, if the, if the um, scope of our prayers is small, it could be that God is reminding us to pray all kinds of requests for all the Lord's people at all times. It could be that he says, hey, I want you to pray about your individual requests in your world, but would you have your eyes open to be alert about what's going on in the world? And praying for them. We'll continue on. Number four. Again, I'm going kind of quickly. There's a lot here today. So uh, buckle in. We're almost there. The call to prayer is also for whom. We've talked about through whom, through the Spirit. We've talked about what kind of prayers, requests, and other prayers or all prayers. We talked about how with our eyes open. Now we're talking about for whom. And it's for all the Lord's people. For all the Lord's people. Not just the ones that we know closely. Yes, we want to pray for them, but it's keeping our eyes open and praying for everyone around us. Now, that can feel daunting, so maybe it would help us to think about a, a tool that can help us to specifically even pray for all the nations. And so this is an app that I found before. It's called Operation World. And what it is, it's a, it's a website too, but there's an app that you can find. And what it does is it gives you an opportunity to pray for one nation every single day of the year. 
So instead of thinking, how am I going to pray for all, however many, you know, hundreds of nations every single day? Well, that feels too daunting. Therefore, I just won't. Instead, it's saying, let's give you one nation. Let's pray for one nation today. So this morning on the app, you won't be able to read it, but I'll explain it. The the prayer for October 29th, 2023 was praying for Somalia. What they do is they give you a prayer request. They give a little bit of a background and then they say, pray for this specific thing or for this specific dynamic or for this specific um, request that comes. But they also have information like stats. Where is it? How big is the population? What percentage is Christian? What does it look like there? And then it has um, more details too. So you can see where it is in the world. And then you can know how to pray for that specific nation. And so it's just a really helpful tool that I've done off and on. So I just re-downloaded it. So I'm not someone who's like, oh, I do this all the time. But I feel like this sermon, this passage reminds me that we need to pray for all the Lord's people. And recognizing that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that there are people who love Jesus, who need prayer all across this world. And while that also can feel daunting, it's also a beautiful thing to think that God knows all of us. And that maybe somewhere there is someone praying across in Somalia, maybe praying for the United States and for us today. Because we all need prayer. And we can all pray. And so this kind of piggybacks with what Paul says in the second part in verses 19 through 20, because maybe for, for, if you're not sure what to pray for people, right? Paul talks about this when he says, this is how he asks the people to pray in the church of Ephesus. He says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. Uh, me and the girls were at um, Oceanside Pier yesterday, and as we were walking across, around the beach and to the pier, I saw three different gentlemen who were going and just sharing, you know, sharing the gospel with people and just being able to kind of walk through that process with them, and they were able to do it fearlessly. And so it's just one of those moments where it's like we are called to, to be able to have fearless ability to reach out. Now, some of us are great at that kind of evangelism. We could just meet anyone and share about God with anyone. Some of us, we do it through relationship, and it might take more time, but it's still how God uses us. We want to be ready for, at any season, to give a reason for the hope that we have. Peter talks about that. But sometimes we know we need to pray for fearlessness. But you know what helps us to actually be able to be in a place where we can fearlessly share? It's that when we have been prayed for, And when we pray for ourselves to be able to have God's strength and to recognize his love for us. If we know our belovedness in Christ Jesus, and if we know the strength that that can give us, then it allows us to become more fearless in how we share. So I'm going to put up here, there's the slide just says Ephesians 3 prayer, but I want to read this from verses 14 through 21. You can follow along, you can close your eyes, you can just listen. It says this, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There's a prayer for strength and power. 
verse, the next part of 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, all the people again, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. When we recognize and we pray for God's power and strength when we face difficult times, and then just the prayer to think about how wide and high and long and deep, every dimension of God's love, every directional about God's love. If we truly understood our belovedness and we truly understood how that imbued us with God's power, how he imbues us with his power of the Holy Spirit, because as Colossians 1 says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living inside those of us who believe. And if we knew our belovedness and our power, then we could be fearless. I don't mean reckless. I mean fearlessly and boldly shaping or sharing our faith with people far from God who need to be drawn near to him. So we pray for all the Lord's people, maybe starting with ourselves, but also not ending with ourselves. Praying for all the Lord's people. One nation, one workplace, one neighborhood, one community, one school, one church, one family, one person at a time. Lastly, when do we pray? I'm not going to say, you know, everyone pray at 6.02 a.m. or else it doesn't count, right? Like, not like that. Um, but when do we pray? And here's what the, here's what the um, passage says. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So that means at all times. And so that means that it's when things are going great, pray. When things are really hard, pray. When you know what's happening in your life and you just need God's wisdom, pray. When you have no idea what's going on in your life and you need God's wisdom, pray. When you are sick, pray. When you are healthy, pray. When finances are great, pray. When finances are rough, pray. When there's peace within your relationships, pray. When there's conflict in your relationships, pray. It's not just when things are bad. That it's, it's this idea is, is prayer your, your last resort or is it your first defense? Is it the thing we do when all else is wrong and going wrong? Like, well, I better, I better bust out the prayer thing, I guess, now. Or do we say, God, in all occasions, at all times, pray. So you could say we want to pray 24-7. We want to pray at all times. We want to be able to pray whenever there's a need, whether it's 6.02 in the morning or whether it's me with one of the girls at 2 a.m. just praying that God would help them to sleep and help me to sleep as well. He's available at all times. So we can pray at all times, 24-7. But that's not all that he talks about with time. The other dynamic of time is that to be alert and always keep on praying. In other words, keep going. Be tireless in your prayers. Be tenacious in your prayers. Be persistent in your prayers. If you've been praying for a loved one who doesn't know Jesus, we don't just pray one time and then just forget about it. We pray just like when Jesus gives the, the um, idea of the persistent widow, that the widow just keeps asking, he keeps asking, and then eventually the, 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 the guy relents to what she requests, 
And it makes it sound like God doesn't want to give it to us, but what it means is that if someone who doesn't want to give a request would give in to the request after persistence, how much more would our God who wants to give requests respond with persistence? And so it's saying, be tenacious, be tireless, be persistent with your prayer. So this idea of when is two different dynamics of time. It's 24-7. It's all of the time, but it's also tirelessly. It's all consistently. It's never giving up, and it's keep praying for people. E.M. Bounds says, gives a quote that I think ties in. He says, our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires. It's, we're tireless in our prayers. A persistency which will not be denied and a courage that never fails. And so when we pray through the Spirit for all requests and prayers, with our eyes open for all the Lord's people, tirelessly and 24-7, we are heeding the call to prayer. Now, some of you might think, I'm so busy already. I have no idea how I'm going to do all of those things that you just said. And I get that. And so maybe for you, it's carving out one of those things. Maybe all you do today is you write down the Acts method. You say, I'm going to start praying adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Maybe for some of you, it's downloading the Operation World app and say, I'm going to pray for one nation a day. Reading through those prayer requests takes not but two minutes, but it opens up our minds and it expands our scope of our prayer. Maybe for some of, I mean, whatever it is that God might be putting on your heart. So you might think, how am I going to do all the things? Well, pick one. Because again, heeding the call to prayer as we looked through this sermon or through the passage is this idea, let's go to the next slide, please. Of, it's through the spirit. It's requests and all prayers. It's with our eyes open. It's all the Lord's people. And it's tirelessly and 24-7. Marcus Barth said this this way. He talks about this whole idea of this passage and how prayer intertwines with um, the armor of God. He says, nothing less is suggested than that the life and strife, because friends, we're going to all have strife when you come to know Jesus. This is not a, you come to know Jesus and everything's fine. For those of us who follow him, we already know this. For those of us on that journey, I want to make sure it's clear that this is not health and wealth and prosperity gospel. This is real life, that we follow in the footsteps of a savior who suffered. And yet in our suffering, we can shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. So there is strife. The life and strife of the saints be one great prayer to God. The highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows are a prayer to God. That this prayer would be offered in ever new forms. Remember, the different methods, acts, or whatever it may be. However good or bad the circumstances, so it's at all times. And that this prayer would not be self-centered, but it'd be for all the Lord's people. And it would express the need and hope of all the saints. And so if you've been with us uh, over the past, you know, for, throughout this series, um, it unintentionally, but then it became intentional. So it, it, I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, we've talked about how some of, the, some of the application at the end of the sermon or some of the ideas that we have um, ended up becoming an acronym. And it wasn't intentional at first, but then I'm just rolling with it. So when it comes to the call to prayer, this is either going to be my best one or my worst one, and I will receive both with equal, uh, equal ambiguity. So the call to prayer is through the Spirit, requests and prayers with our eyes open for all the Lord's people, tirelessly and 24-7. And so it spells out treats. So here's what we're going to go with with this Halloween weekend. To, twist, to turn this to something a little bit more God-honoring is that when the enemy tries to trick you 
with distraction. Remember that the call to prayer is a treat. Okay, okay, we'll take it. So I was, we had our pre-service meeting this morning, and I said, we should start, and I'm joking, but I was like, we'll find out how it goes, because there'll either be people like clapping or just going to be that groan in the back of like, oh yeah, it's dad jokes. I'm like, dad jokes, that's, that's what I'm all about. So, but all that to say, think about it. The enemy wants to trick us with distraction. He wants us to look at the macabre around us and think, okay, well, that's the evil without recognizing the evil that actually exists around us. He wants us to be distracted, to look at our phones, to get lost in concerns and anxieties and worries so that we do not spend time with him. Because as we've seen, the, the, uh, the, saint, the feeblest saint who is praying is a terror to Satan. And so recognizing that you and I we're in a battle. I, I'm sorry, we don't get to choose that. But we need to be awake and alert and be on the watch for that. And so the call to prayer is that we would, through the Spirit, with our requests and all other prayers, with our eyes open, for all the Lord's people, that we would tirelessly and 24-7 pray to God. Because if we do that, then the enemy will know that we're someone that's going to be hard to shake. We all struggle. I get it. But if we have our foundation on Christ Jesus, if we put on the full armor of God, then what does Paul say in verses like 10, 11, 13, and 14? That we will be able to stand firm. So if you're in a place where you feel like the Lord, that, you're, that the enemy is, is, is gaining ground on you, and you say, well, I try to put the best breastplate of righteousness. I try to do the helmet. I try capture all of that with prayer. If you think, well, I, I got my feet good, let's go, I got the fitness right, peace. put all of it and infuse all of it with the power of prayer. Because when the enemy tries to trick you into distraction, the call to prayer is a treat. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether live in person, live online, watching or listening later. God, and again, Lord, I recognize that as we've spent several weeks, um, a month or almost two months in this section here, Lord, and, and recognizing for some of us, the idea of a spiritual battle is still something that we're struggling with or we may not agree with, and, and I totally understand that. And I pray, God, that you would help all of us to have our eyes open to what's going on around us, that we would be able to recognize that when I'm upset with someone, it's not even that person that's my enemy. It's the enemy that's the enemy that's creating division with me and that person. So Lord, help us to be able to be men and women who are able to pray through the Spirit, that give all our requests and all other prayers to you, that we have our eyes open to see what you're doing and how we can pray to be on watch, that we would pray for all the Lord's people, not just those closest to us, and that we would 24-7 and tirelessly pray because, God, when we do that, we are able to recognize that the enemy can try to trick us and can try to distract. But we will have our eyes open and fixed on you as the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. So, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us now that you would meet us where we are. That we would draw one step closer to you. And that we would, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal one aspect at least, just one practical step that we can take in order to incorporate a deeper life of prayer from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. 
If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.